This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome to our bonus Q&A episode of Books of the Year. Still in the studio here with uh, author Alex Michaelides, and it's our Q&A time just before he zooms off for the launch of The Fury, which is happening today. Yes, Piccadilly. Uh, down in Piccadilly. Is it Waterstones, is it? That's right, yeah. Okay. And then you're back to America for more entertainment for yourself, talking to lots of happy Americans <laughs> and uh, flogging the book. Uh, yeah. That's put beautifully yeah love the book what is alex what is the last book that you really really enjoyed reading i have just finished the new david baldacci book um which is coming out in a month or so and it's called calamity of souls um i loved it i get sent an awful lot of books to read and most of them are terrible so it was a joy to um read this fantastic courtroom drama inspired by his youth in virginia it was just the richness of detail and the writing was just exquisite. I couldn't put it down. Yeah, and um, I think he's given you a quote on the uh, on on the back of the book. But he's one of those American writers who just seems to have the knack for getting it right every time. Yeah, you know, even if you think I know the kind of thing that he writes, you might do, but there's still something that's new. Mm, this feels. Very different to a lot of his stuff, actually. It doesn't. Does it mm. feel like a David Baldacci book? It does, but it feel it has the. I I emailed him afterwards and I asked him lots of questions because I was very curious how long it took him to write, and he said that he'd been carrying it, this story around for twenty years inside him, and so there is a lot of himself in it, and wow. I think that comes across. Okay, wow. so that's called the Calam- calamity of souls or the calamity of souls. I think just calamity of calamity souls. of souls, David yeah. Baldacci. Okay. Is there an idea for a book that you've read that you wish you'd come up with yourself? And that can that can mean plot, that can mean character, twist, whatever. Is there something that you'd wish you'd come up with yourself? Um, most of Agatha Christie's work, yeah. Um, there have been occasions when I have started to write things and they have been very similar. I don't want to say because there's one idea that I might try and reuse now, but I did write a full draft of it before I wrote The Silent Patient and then walked into a bookshop and saw this book could come out with an identical plot. Wow. And I did go home and cry. <laughs> that that <laughs> so must you'd, be. You'd read the, you'd written the wow. entire draft? Yeah. Oh my and it was God. such a high concept idea that I, I spoke to my agent and he said, just don't bother. It's, it's not one's going to... Is this the same away. agent that doesn't like the ellipsis? <laughs> no, this is an agent who then dropped me before I found the... More <laughs> <the, laughs> him or her. <laughs> yeah. The second agent, yes. That first agent must feel like a right oh, child. Um, I don't know about that, but... Um, <laughs> Where do you do most of your reading? Um, I, I like to think I would do it um, at home on the couch. Yeah, 
I'm finding it harder. I listen to audiobooks now a great deal, which I never used to, um, mainly because my eyes are going as I'm getting older and I sit at the laptop all day and I just find it's hard to focus on the page sometimes. And so if I listen to an audiobook, I can cook at the same time and eat okay. at the same time. And give, and what would be a favourite audiobook? Give us something that maybe has lived as an audiobook particularly. Uh, well, I think the first one I listened to, my sister listens to an awful lot of them, and I resisted them for years. And then she said, just listen to um, Jeremy Irons reading Bride's Head Revisited, and you will be converted. And I did, and I was. And it's just an incredible performance. So, yeah. Something that's held me back on audiobooks, because I've, 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 I listened to a couple, is that I find myself suddenly drifting away. Hmm. And then five minutes, I realise, oh my goodness, I've no idea what's happened for the last five minutes because I've been thinking about my shopping. Yeah, no, it happens. But you know what? I had that problem too. And then you, you do, your, your attention span gets, gets better. Oh, really? Yeah, it does. So persist with it. Persist yeah. with Sorry, it. and does this mean you're particularly on it in terms of who does the audiobook for yours? Absolutely. And that's a really great question, Simon. I'm glad you asked that. Um, when I was writing the novel, I kept thinking of Alex Jennings, the English actor, because um, I'm a big fan. And also because I was trying to write a narrator who's got a kind of a wry sense of humour and there's a rhythm and there's jokes. I just kept hearing Alex's voice and I thought, oh, he'd be amazing because he'd land all of these jokes. And um, I we asked him to read it and he said yes. And I I couldn't bear to listen to the first two audio books of my novels because I just kept finding things wrong in my writing and the performances and stuff. But this time, um, when the files arrived, I had a bottle of wine, lay on the couch, listened to the book and laughed my head off. Excellent. Brilliant. Brilliant. What a great experience. Um, have you ever tried to impress someone with a book? Um Explain, because Matt, so you've done I, this. I say, so I, in my in my youth, and obviously misguided. And by the way, this never worked. I used to walk around with a dog-eared um, copy of um, French book called um, Nest of Vipers by Francois Mauriac, in the in the vain hope that I'd appear sophisticated to the ladies. Um, so, so that was me trying to impress people with with books. Have you ever tried that? As, as sh- have you ever done anything as shallow as that? Is what I'm asking. <laughs> I definitely have given books as gifts to people quite a lot um, in the vain hope that they will fall in love with them in the way that I did but it often hasn't worked <laughs> um, you know I, uh, I the one book I do always give people and I, everyone I give it to thanks me is um, is Judgment in Stone by Ruth Rendell which I think is the finest crime novel I've ever read um, as I'm sure you know it's it's just a, it's a masterpiece and it inspired my, my first novel and it, countless other books as well I see this is where people curse our podcast because they get all these recommendations <laughs> yeah, okay yeah, yeah. okay I'll get that okay I'll get that one as well oh okay I'll get it so Judgment in Stone Ruth Rendell it's just worth um, yeah. making note the opening line is um, Eunice Parchman killed the Coverdale family because she could not read or write and that's the beginning and you just can't put it down after that do you concentrate on opening lines I do from Ruth Rendell yeah I, I, I really study Ruth Rendell um, and Barbara Vine you know her pen name um, and she's brilliant at opening lines like they're just incredible uh, okay, so uh, we, here's a surprise question uh, for you. We have a voice note from a fan. Uh, it's a voice note from fellow best-selling author Lucy Foley. Here we go. Hi, Simon and Matt, and hello, Alex. As you know, I'm a big fan of your books, and I want to say huge congratulations for the brilliant The Fury. It's my favourite of yours yet. What I'd love to ask you is whether Elliot's voice came first, or the plot, or both together. His narration is so distinctive and made the book feel really unique to me. And I'd love to know a little about how he came into being. 
Okay, that's uh, that's Lucy Foley's question, which we knew about. Uh, we were trying to steer the conversation away from that in, yes. in our first interview, but uh, yeah. you know clearly this is something that we should have brought up in uh, podcast number one with Alex Michaelides. But now is the time to address it. Well, that, that I was that's a real surprise, and and what a sweet message, oh, Lucy. Thank you very very much. Um, uh, okay, um, you know it, the the. Um, the book keeps referring to a, a, a quote, which is "character is destiny." Um, that's something I think about a lot, um, and uh, it kind of essentially means who you are is what you do, um, and if your fate is not imposed on you by the gods, but is your as a result of your character. Um, Henry James said the same thing, and then Graham Greene said, um, "Character is plot, not necessarily character is destiny, but character is plot," and I think about that too. Um, and so what I'm trying to say is that Elliot, as he told me the story, um, he created the plot and the plot came from his character. Um, so they are one and the same in my head. I think when I was younger and I was writing, I would try and insert um, characters into preformed plots and then they never quite gel. I think they both have to be the same thing. Okay. So we're big champions on this podcast of libraries. So the, the question to you, Alex, is when was the last time you were in a library and what were you in there for? Um, I go into libraries fairly often. Um, I think, you know, I'm doing, obviously I'm doing events now in libraries. Mm. Um, I like to work in libraries, um, you know. Um, I find it peaceful and I can't work in cafes. It has to be because I just get enraged by people's conversation. <laughs> enraged by other people. Yes, by other people constantly. Yeah. So libraries yeah. are like safe spaces. Yeah. So you you will do what the bulk of your writing will be in libraries or, or you would only write if you were in a library? Uh, oh, yeah, I would only write if I was in a library. Um, I mean, I do I do write. I write mainly now um, at home um, because even even libraries can be difficult. I remember once when I was at the, uh, the American Film Institute Library and I was just because this woman would not stop talking. And so I went loudly and complained to her and she turned out to be the librarian. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, uh, have you tried noise-cancelling headphones and things like that? Because in cafes, it can... Because they're really good now at cancelling annoying other people's conversations. Have you actually tried that? I, have tr I do try earplugs, particularly on airplanes, but they don't fully work. No. What you need is noise-cancelling headphones. Mm, okay, I'll bear that in mind. And I think, um, particularly the over-ear ones, uh, like you're wearing at the moment, they can block out like 90% of annoying people. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Is that so, the final 10% you have to worry about? Yeah, yeah. You, there's, there's always 10%. You're always looking on, on, the, on the downside there. Uh, yes, but 90, <laughs> think of the 90% that you're missing. Okay. You know, that's very good. But you, you probably have to spend a bit of cash okay. to get some good ones. But if, if you find people in cafes annoying... Buy some good headphones, hmm. and uh, and there's a distinction between headphones and earphones because I I spent quite a lot of money on what I thought were no noise cancelling earphones over Christmas, and they really don't, they really don't at all. Nowhere near as good as as headphones. Oh, I'll try that. Headphones. Okay, yeah. that's it. I'll tell you. Well, uh, no, I won't. Yes, I will. I'll tell you when we're done. Anyway, mm -hmm. uh, is there a book, Alex? Is there a book or an author that always cheers you up? I mean, this assumes that you read books to be cheered up. Uh, yes, there is an author that cheers me up. Um, Angela Carter, I love. Um, Wise Children's probably the book that's given me most joy in my life. And I sort of put off reading it too often, but I read it every couple of years. Explain why it brings joy. Because it's about joy. It's about, um, it's an 80-year-old um, ex-chorus dancer telling you the story of her life. And it's kind of a theatrical life um, of born on the wrong side of the tracks in 
the UK and this touring company and then going to America and it's just full of laughter and great characters and brilliant writing so yeah okay thank you when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping Kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week you can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How many books would you get through a month? Uh, we're sort of more interested in books that you're reading for yourself as opposed to books that you're reading for, you know, research or work or whatever. I read really slowly and I try to... I think it's a hang-up from having been an English student as I feel a great deal of shame about all the things I have not read. <laughs> and so I tend to read quite heavy-going literary stuff, which takes me ages, um, you know. Heavy-going meaning what? Joyce what? Like Henry James, yeah, Joyce, I've tried and failed. Um, you know, that kind of thing. I'm, I'm getting into Dickens again at the moment and stuff like that. It's also about trying to improve as a writer. Um, and I think I would learn, I won't improve by reading present modern day thrillers. I need, I need to read really great writers. So, yeah. That's, that, that's interesting. So you wouldn't... So to become a better writer of contemporary fiction, you would read classical fiction? I would because I'm trying to improve my prose. Um, as opposed to my plots. So does that mean you would analyse, if you're reading, let's, you know, you, you just mentioned Dickens, if you're reading Dickens, you would stop and analyse a paragraph? I would, or, or, or even more. I'll, I'll look at, you know, the sentence structure and the choice of adjective and things like that and just think about, try and learn. Often, you know, I, I think what I'm, I'm quite bad at is, um, is similes. So I try not to use them anymore because I think unless they're really good, they're, they're terrible. And so often when I'm looking, reading someone like Evelyn Moore, I'll look at his similes, which are always brilliant and expressive and interesting, and then steal them. <laughs> Quite right. Uh, you are throwing a fantasy dinner party, and you can invite three authors, living or dead, who's coming. Now, I think you're going you'll agonise over this because yeah. you've already mentioned, I think, more authors and more books in the course of our conversation than any other writer mm. than, uh, that we've had. So, uh, but you... That's the, that's the restriction. Alive or dead, three people. Um, I'd say Noel Coward, uh, Billy Wilder. It's really tricky, the third one. Um, why not? Agatha Christie. Yeah. Yeah. Be a good combination. And would they get on? I think so. Billy Wilder and Agatha Christie, obviously, uh, he adapted uh, Witness for the Prosecution and made it better, much, much better um, than, than her play. He added character, you know, because her characters were quite thin, I thought. Um, and then they had a correspondence for a long time. He kept writing to her, asking, saying, come on, give me another hit, do it again, give me another one that I can adapt. And she never did, unfortunately. Um, I can imagine at your dinner party there, Noel Cow getting a little bit hacked off with all of this because they're all getting on fine and he's yeah. he's being ignored and yeah. he wouldn't like to be ignored. No, he wouldn't, but, I, you know, he and I could drink martinis together. <laughs> you could be cocktail balls together. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Okay, that's very that's that's a very interesting dinner party. Okay, uh, and would they hang around a long time? Do you think would it go on until the early hours? Or I think Agatha Christie didn't drink. Apparently, she had this really weird habit of just drinking um, full fat cream to match what? people. What? Yeah, which Never is, heard of yeah. That. So other people would have a glass of wine, she'd have a glass of cream, and then she'd have another glass of cream and stuff. A glass of full fat cream. That's, yeah. If, Earth. If, 
if, if you had a character in a book <laughs> that only drank cream, you would instantly go, well, this person is mad. And, <laughs> and will be dead within yes, 200 pages. Because yeah. of too much daring. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Death by death. You know, it's true. So I imagine she probably wouldn't last that long. You'd probably keel over after too much cream, wouldn't you, I think? Wow. Yeah. Imagine that. How can we have got so this far with one of the best-known novelists in this country? Of all time. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Don't need drink cream. Need cream for me, wow. thanks. What? Uh, <laughs> that's the trouble with you, Agatha Christie. You're, you're just a dairy bore. <laughs> well, well, well. OK, so, Alex, thank you very much indeed. The Fury is published by Michael Joseph. It's out now. It's the, uh, another bestseller from Alex Michaelides. Remember, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email at any time, booksoftheyear at yahoo.com or via our socials. We'll be back next week. We'll be joined by bestselling American author Kylie Reid. Hope you can join us then. <laughs>